You know that God calls you to live a holy life. You have that responsibility before Him. Yet at the same time, you know that no matter how hard you try, you will sin. You know that you are responsible for your sinful nature. And yet at the same time, you know that you cannot get rid of it. Reverend Spurgeon, how can I press on when faced with my human responsibility before God to keep from sin and my human inability to do so? My friend, I know it is my duty to be perfect, but I am conscious I cannot be. I know that every time I commit sin, I am guilty, and yet I am quite certain that I will sin, that my nature is such that I cannot help it. I feel that I am unable to get rid of this body of sin and death, and yet I know I ought to get rid of it. These two things are enough to make any man miserable, to know that he is responsible for his sinful nature, and yet to know that he cannot get rid of it, and to know that he ought to keep it down and yet to feel he cannot, to know that it is his business to keep God's law perfectly, and walk blameless in the commandments of the law, and yet to know by sad experience that he is as unable to do so as much as he is unable to reverse the motion of the globe, or dash the sun from the center of the spheres. How will not these two things drive any man to desperation? The way in which some men avoid the dilemma is by a denial of one of these truths. They say, well, it is true I am unable to cease from sin, and then they deny their obligation to do so. They do not cry with the Apostle Paul, O wretched man that I am. They live as they like and say they cannot help it. On the other hand, there are some men who know they are responsible, but then they say, Yes, but I can cast off my sin. And these are tolerably happy. The Arminian and the Hyper-Calvinist, both of them, get on very comfortably. But the man who believes these two doctrines as taught in God's word, that he is responsible for sin, and yet that he is unable to get rid of it, I do not wonder that when he looks into himself, he finds enough to make him sigh and cry, to faint and despair. O wretched man that I am! Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And now, says one, I would not be a Christian if that is the way in which he faints. It seems he is always to be fighting with himself, and even until he despairs of victory. Stop a moment. Let us complete the picture. This man is fainting, but he will be restored by and by. Think not that he is hopelessly defeated, he falls to rise. He faints but to be revived afresh. I know a remedy which can awaken his sleeping hopes and shoot a thrill along the freezing current of his blood. Let us sound the promise in his ear. Look how soon he revives. Let us put the cordial to his lips. Look how he starts up and plays the man again. I have almost been defeated, he says, almost driven to despair. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, yet I shall rise again. And he lets fly against him once more, shouting, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So on he goes again, more than a conqueror, 
through him who has loved him. Well, you can make that your motto and say, I fall to rise. Though I fall, I shall rise again. I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I trust you were encouraged by that answer to the question, how can I press on when faced with my human responsibility before God to keep from sin and my human inability to do so? It was provided during a Sunday morning sermon preached on the 23rd of January, 1859, titled The Fainting Warrior. I trust you'll join me again. Until next time, the Lord bless you.